at this particular point, I have to be positively selfish. It's no different from when you're in the airport, uh, airplane and um, you know, stewardess and the people on the plane tell you, put your mask on first and then you can help someone else because if you pass out, you can't help anyone. So you have to put your mask on first. Your life, everything is that way. Welcome to The Change, where we share stories and inspiration from business leaders and people making positive work-life changes. Over the course of our lives, we receive so much messaging like, we should go to college to give ourselves the best chance for success, or we should be married by the time we're 30. We also build belief systems about ourselves and our capabilities. Sometimes our belief systems prevent us from feeling worthy or capable of achieving success. When we gain awareness that we have become our greatest barrier and we work towards a greater sense of self-realization, it puts us in alignment with our higher self and our true calling. If we're not feeding our own needs and desires in a positive way, we deprive ourselves of reaching our potential. Our guest today had a similar belief system that limited him at times in his life, but through his dedication to seek a deeper connection to his true calling, he learned how to be positively selfish. Brandon Cooper, welcome to The Change. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. So um, let's set the stage for our audience here. Um, I believe you're in Atlanta, yes? That is correct. That is correct. Enjoy. All right. Is this, is this business or pleasure? Uh, it's, it's a mix of both. Um, a lot of majority is for family and for the holiday. Um, but yeah, I'm linking up with some uh, business investors as well while I'm out here. So yeah. Okay, great. Um, well, let's get into it then. So today you are the CEO of a company using artificial intelligence to disrupt the nine to five. Uh, but before we get into the work you're doing today, let's go back a bit to when you were growing up in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell us what your childhood was like and what it was like to grow up in Detroit? Yeah, uh, Detroit is it's not for the weak. It'll spit you out really quickly if you can't survive. But I, I will say, if, if you're from Detroit or know anyone from Detroit, uh, we can go anywhere. Nothing scares us. Uh, it's nothing we haven't seen. Uh, it's not as uh, you know, harsh as you see in the media, per se, but uh, I wouldn't want to be from anywhere else than the Motor City. It um, it prepares you, right? We're not a uh, New York route or anything. Or, you know, we have our own stage. Or people are like, yeah, you're from Detroit. Don't mess with him. Um, but I had a nomadic lifestyle. I, I stayed in different places often, uh, kind of bounced around a little bit and uh, found my way, you know, um, mm-hmm. made the most out of my situation. Right. And my mom's single mother. So she did the best yeah. she could for us. And, uh, you know, we, we never missed any meals and the light stayed on. Yeah. Um, were Was your dad in the picture as you were growing up? Uh, my father actually passed away from cancer two months before I was born. So I've never, mm, wow. I never got a chance to meet my father, unfortunately. But gotcha. uh, he was a businessman and he was in Black Enterprise in 1985. Um, Jay Cooper. So kind of picking up the baton. Uh, it really was just DNA because it wasn't like he taught me anything, you know. <laughs> Pretty yeah. cool. What about uh, siblings? Yeah, so I have three sisters. I grew up in the house with all women. Uh, ah, okay. Yeah, all women in the house, man. I was the only boy. I'm kind of in the middle. It's four of us, but I'm I'm the only boy. Okay, and were you close uh, with cousins? Did you have a lot of aunts and uncles? 
Yeah, a lot of uh, some. We have a big family. My uh, my grandma had eleven kids, and so I have wow. six uncles and five aunts, and huge huge family. But uh, unfortunately, a lot of my uh, uncles passed away. I think uh, four of them now are gone. Um, mm. Pretty pretty early ages. Uh, I've seen them kind of dissipate uh, at alarming rate in the in the twenty tens, and kind of uh, kind of went back to back. And one of mm. which you actually introduced me into computers. Uh, when I was oh, okay. younger. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, but growing up, I mean, did you did you have a pretty tight knit extended family? Um, like a large support system um, that that showed you the path as you were growing up. My older one of my older sisters was really uh, hard on me for education. Um, Star, she's really really big on me staying in my, staying in the books. And I think in second grade, I knew school wasn't for me. Uh, sounds mm. crazy to know at second grade, but I just remember, you remember things in pockets, right? You don't remember anything really consecutively, mm-hmm. but I remember looking around the classroom and saying, man, why am I here? What are we really doing here? What is this for? And uh, that, you don't really see that in a seven-year-old. Uh, so that was really right. my, I, I really had it in me at a very early age. And um, I mean, my support system, I mean, they were there. My sisters were there, but I mean, for the most part, I just kind of find my own way. Um, a few of my best friends, uh, their fathers were around, which was great. Uh, and they helped me along my path too. But uh, for the most part, it was really just me figuring it out. Yeah. And so what, you know, I mean, that is pretty early at, at seven years old too. Was it something, um, like you recognized perhaps that, uh, you weren't going to be afforded opportunities or, um, you know, in what way did, did you identify that school wasn't necessarily going to be your thing? It was a feeling that I couldn't, in the earlier days, I couldn't describe it because I was so young. I was trying to understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to college, it was more, it had set in. So I had met um, a guy, he, he messaged me at the time, Facebook had just came out. When I uh, when I was a freshman in college, he mm-hmm. sent a message to me. He said, "Yeah, we're meeting people up. It was a network marketing opportunity, right?" So I was like, "Okay, well, okay. I'll I'll come here, whatever." And I got on the bus and went there, and a couple other people that were there from the school. And uh, he showed this video of, of a guy named Robert. He was talking about um, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow yeah. quadrants, and it broke down the different quadrants. And after the video went off. I was sitting there like I saw a ghost, but it wasn't because I was confused. It was because it made so much sense. And um, it made so much sense to me. And and the other people that were there, they were laughing and stuff. And they kind of walked out. I'm like, all right, I'm gone. But for me, it was like, ah, this is what I've been looking for my whole life was the other path. Okay. And I think you mentioned just now this was during when you were in college. Yes? Correct. And uh, you went to Michigan State University, right? That's correct. Yeah. And what did you study there? Marketing and merchandise and management. As okay. the minor. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the cash flow quadrant specifically, and uh, what particularly resonated um, for you when you when you saw that presentation? Yeah, the cash flow quadrant is by Robert Kiyosaki talks about the four quadrants in which a person uh, earns a living or lives a particular lifestyle financially. 
And there's the uh, E quadrant, the top left quadrant, E quadrant, the employee quadrant. The employee quadrant is the everyday nine to five person who trades time for money. Um, they get the most tax uh, in terms of the end of the year. They, they're, they're taxed the most uh, and they have to be at a job in order to earn. If they don't, then they don't earn any money. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the majority of the population, uh, especially in America. Then you have the S quadrant, which is the self-employed quadrant, where a person basically uh, works for themselves, but in many ways they are a slave almost to their own business. For instance, uh, you own a franchise, you can make great money. I know people who are millionaires from franchise, mm-hmm. so I'm not um, spitting on uh, franchises, but mm-hmm. it's almost like running an adult daycare center. Uh, you you have to be there for the most part, and to make sure that people aren't still out of the register, uh, the customer service is the right way with the employees. And the more franchises you have, the harder. But you can obviously hire managers to manage it. But you basically just uh, own a business, but have to be there. And then there's the B quadrant, top right quadrant, uh, you own a business. So if a person who owns a business, they can go play golf. They're the CEO of a company. Uh, SVP of a company, wherever it may be, um, you know, if they're a partner or whatever, they're earning money and they're not actually there. So they've leveraged their time through employees in the business running with or without them having to be there or trading time for that money. And then okay. lastly is the I quadrant, the Warren Buffett quadrant, the investment quadrant, where your money is making you money. So you've made uh, an obscene amount of money from the B quadrant. And you want your money to work for you, so you put it into Swiss bank account, or uh, you're basically earning from interest. You you put your money into something that's growing, whether it's stocks, uh, index funds, or whatever it is, real estate, whatever you want to put it into. Your money is making you money. Um, so those those quadrants are break down. You're in one of those quadrants. No matter what kind of person you are, you have to fit into one of those four. The cash flow quadrant isn't necessarily mutually exclusive. You could be. Um, for example, a business entrepreneur and investing most of your time and energy in the B quadrant, but the, at the same time, you could be investing your money in, uh, stocks, funds, whatever. And so you're also investing some energy in that, that I quadrant. So speak to us a little bit about, uh, how they could work together. Yeah. Most people, uh, day to day would be an E quadrant and B quadrant where they're working their nine to five and also working their business part-time on the side uh, until their business, the revenue from the business has basically replaced their, um, their income as an employee and they can take the leap and then leap. Some people stay in the E quadrant part-time or whatever it may be, or full-time if they want to keep health insurance because um, it's not really favorable to entrepreneurs in terms of health insurance and also people have families as well. So it's harder for people to take that leap to go all B quadrant when you have a family and mouths to feed. Um, it's harder to, to take those risks that you want to take. Um, but yeah, the I quadrant, I don't necessarily see it as really um, being minimal where you're, you're just investing a little bit of stocks and such. I mean, when I, when I'm really talk about the I quadrant, it's really those people who are migrating from B quadrant or playing in the B quadrant and the I quadrant simultaneously. So their business they're taking their business earnings and feeding it into, like, as I mentioned, they, the Swiss bank accounts and such where 
their earning from the interest of their money sitting in certain pools. It's not like money market mm-hmm. accounts used to be back in the day because um, the the rates are pretty terrible now. But that's just an example. Okay. And um, when you were describing that time that you went to, you know, with your friend, you got that that early Facebook message and, and you went to this mm-hmm. presentation, you mentioned it was like seeing a ghost or it was it was very yeah. much like a revelation type moment. So describe that for us. I mean, what what exactly struck you and struck a chord within you? Yeah, for me, college was just the, the thing you did where just conditioned to say hey here's the path this is the path you take this is how you become successful white picket fence um you know but for me after seeing the video it was it showed me i had another path that i could take because i knew the path i was traveling wasn't for me and um having that option just opened up uh, it was just a bright path. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel where I said, this is the path I want to go. I don't care how it ends mm-hmm. up, what happens. I know I don't want to be on this road and I want to be on this road. And uh, if, you, if you go the path where it's super crowded, usually you're going to end up in that that comfort zone of society where people are. And uh, I've never been a conformist. I've always been a rebel uh, to my core. I've always had it in me. But I think that, that particular moment that is what cracked open the can of worms and made things happen for me. Yeah, I I definitely can resonate uh, with what you're saying. Um, you know, for myself, in terms of running Sweet Centric in the early days too, when I was a little bit more actively involved with our development team in particular, um, I think we had maybe one or two people that had a college degree, but mm-hmm. other developers we were looking to hire just had experience or were coming out of a boot camp and. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting that there is this traditional belief. Um, I think it is starting to to fall away as more and more people realize um, the expense and the debt that you would carry going to college. And there are alternative yeah. routes, but uh, there there yeah. has been this traditional belief system that the only way to be successful and land a great job is to have a college degree. And you know, I do see more and more people questioning if if college is a necessity. I mean, going back to mm-hmm to the cost and so you just see costs going up, you know, and most students are taking on student loans and then finding when they graduate that they have now this monumental debt and the opportunities aren't really there. Um, Correct. You know, it's interesting with this great resignation, uh, quote unquote movement that's happening right now. Um, Perhaps there there may be more opportunities because more and more people are choosing to hold out for the right fit for them. Um, but, you know, I want to ask, uh, so you did leave Michigan State. I believe you told me it was your junior year and decided to decided to basically invest in yourself. Right. So how has leaving college early inhibited your career if it has? And how has that decision benefited you? Yeah, I think um, it didn't inhibit it, to be honest, because I didn't accrue much debt, even though it sounds like, well, you finish your junior year, you know, why not just finish it out? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I wasn't close to credits or anything like that. Um, I mean, I was running a, a home-based business at that time in college, so um, 
you know, where kids were in class, I was uh, getting calls from my team because I was doing network marketing. So I had 129 people in my group in six different countries. And here I am, a 19 year old, uh, you know, as a, a corporate executive in a company. It taught me business. It taught me cold calling. It taught me how to lead a team, how to manage a team. A lot of uh, traits that I use to this day. But um, I, I think you, you see your friends, right? And, and, uh, and, they've graduated and i think it's great accomplishment but we in society get so hung up on accolades and a piece of paper and titles but then after the party it's like okay uh you know here's the bill right or uh, a wedding it's like okay you spent 80 grand on your wedding everyone's like oh hey congratulations guys all right and then after it's like looking at your partner like oh here's the bill you know here's a and we we create these debt pools uh, which is self-inflicted damage, even though the you know our the, the system basically puts us on the path to uh, get that debt. Uh, we choose to shoot ourselves in the foot by uh, going to school, leaving school to pay for school. And if you were looking at a business plan, you would say this makes absolutely no sense. Um, so totally. I I made the right decision. If a hundred times out of a hundred, uh, I would have dropped out each time, credits or not. Uh, it was just taking up my time. I, college for my freshman year was one of the best, if not the best year of my life. I had a great time. It was completely like the social network, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of beer, a lot of <laughs> things. <laughs> you know how it goes, man. You, you know, you're young and whatever and having fun. So I had a great college experience. I had really good friends. But um, yeah, I made the, the right decision. And then in terms of how it benefited me, it really just, it gave me sense to say, you are different. You are the unicorn. You are um, you are not a sheep, per se. And when I say sheep, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about people who go to school. A sheep is a person who just runs around and does things without questioning anything. If you question right. it and it's still for you, you're not a sheep. But if you're just going around in a circle and you know, you're bad around with everyone else and just kind of following the herd, um, yeah, that, I mean, I, that, it, it just wasn't me. Have you ever faced something so jarring, so overwhelming, and seemingly so hopeless that all you thought was, how will I ever get through this? Hi, this is Kristen Taylor, host of How I Made It Through, my new podcast that shares stories of ordinary people who've navigated some not-so-ordinary circumstances. When life throws heavy blows, we only truly make it through when we are truly willing to go through all of it feeling it, and being transformed by it. The stories shared will enthrall and inspire you. They may even provide the roadmap you've been searching for. How I Made It Through will be available January 2022. To learn more, simply visit eiqmediallc.com forward slash how I made it through. So you ended up at a large tech company and you worked there for seven years. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I know from when we spoke last time, 
you enjoyed it. You made some good connections with uh, with some of your coworkers that ultimately led into the creation of AFID, where you're at today. But you described also there there wasn't really much of an opportunity for an advancement at that company. So um, tell us about that time. Tell us about how you know the idea for AFID came together at this time. Yeah, you, you hit that. You don't believe it really exists. I obviously knew that there was the the glass ceiling or it, it wasn't really anywhere to go. And it's a lot of opportunity. You see people who aren't as talented as you uh, running teams. And I, I've never been into this, this the sore fighting and who's better type of thing. But it's just it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes that uh, you may be smarter than people that you work for, but that's fine. Who cares? Right. But. Uh, it, you just it's about knowing your worth when you're sitting there and you're it's like elementary school, right? You know, they had to raise your hand type of things going on in the meetings and, you know, put put up, put this up. If you agree, it was just like elementary school. And I'm like, I know I can't be profane on here, but like, man, it's just like this is this is awful, man. It can be conditioning us from the. From, um, beginning the time, like once we get right into the funnel in, in, in school, and it was no different. And I was like, man, you know what? Would Elon Musk be sitting here? Uh, would Steve Jobs be sitting here? And mm-hmm. um, made a decision to say, it's time for me to take a leap. And I was already frustrated. I had, I took, I had mental leaves, and uh, you know, I'm seeing therapists, and I'm okay with saying that because I think, yeah people should go to therapy even when things are fine. I don't think therapy should be right. this. Agreed. Oh, what's wrong with you type of thing where people don't want to talk about it. I want people to understand that relatability to say, Hey, look, we all need it. We all have a lot of junk under the hood. We, it's in a way life is like we, we have people coming over and if we just grab everything in the junkie house and throw it in the closet and then everyone comes in and says, Oh, this is a nice house. You're like, yeah, that's social media. That's what people see. Everything is great. But then they're like, oh, what's in this door? And then they say, no, no, no. And they open it up and everything falls out. And you're like, oh, and they're like, oh, you're like, what is this? You know, that's every, that's all the skeleton in your closet and everything's falling out. So we, you know, we have to nurture that along the way. But um, that ultimately led me to uh, circle back to nine to five disruption. And I said, uh, man, I wish I could clone myself and have a version of me doing this work, but I still got paid from the efforts Mm -hmm. of my robot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounded pretty crazy. And I said, all right, well, how can this become a reality? And I had a conversation uh, with Sean, who was our Sean Ross, who's our CTO. And we had some conversations and um, he was already stressed out himself. And we both left the company, started formulating an idea after that and uh, put it into motion. And and that's what ultimately led into AFID. So. Um, so you're, you're the CEO there at AFID and why don't you tell us, um, more about what AFID does in particular and about the technology, um, that you guys are working with that. So you mentioned about kind of cloning yourself, um, and, and a lot of tasks that make up your, your typical nine to five. So why don't you, you know, take us, take us a little bit further into what AFID does specifically. And, and, uh, again, with the technology that you guys are working with. Yeah. And a very, in sixth grader form, it, uh, we've created an ecosystem that allows robots to work on our behalf, to do tasks that we would normally do manually. And that applies to businesses and the everyday person. 
Uh, we're very accustomed to trading time for money where uh, you go into a job, you work two weeks, you usually get a paycheck bi-weekly, and uh, after taxes, <laughs> you, you end up with enough, just enough to pay the bills. And um, this is a very legacy way of, uh, for one, earning money, and then uh, two, it's, it's horse and buggy. Uh, we can't outwork 100 people. So I say, how can we be at two places at one time? How can we be at 10 places at one time? Like, what if we could clock it to 10 jobs at one time and got paychecks from 10 different places at once? Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, it's taking what we know and ingesting it into a digital form and allowing the robots to, in a way, become our slaves because they don't have emotions. They won't call off sick. And everyone's afraid that robots are going to take our jobs. Well, guess what? If we want to spend more time with our family and friends, robots are going to have to work on behalf of us. But we should just get paid from the ones that we own. Uh, so this is going to start off in a digital form. And uh, we've created a, a variation of u- different use cases that we have. But we're just going to start with a, a very simplistic virtual assistant version where your robots will try to make sales on the on websites on our network we'll go out and get these businesses to use our virtual assistant on our website to talk to them when i greet them when they come to the site and if your robot makes a sale you get a commission for it so this makes you omnipresent it allows you to be ubiquitous it allows Mm -hmm. you to have 30 versions of yourself working at one time how were you guys funded when you first uh formed everything's been bootstrapped to this day uh, we've had some uh, like small FNF investments, uh, friends and family, like mm-hmm. really small um, pockets. So it's appreciated. We don't treat it as small. We treat it like you invested $2 million. So mm-hmm. it, it's definitely helped. But uh, we're currently raising for our seed round right now. So all of this has been um, just from our own pocket. So, you know, at some point along your journey, um, and it, you know, from what I'm gathering in this conversation, there there were just many little moments that just added up to each other. But you realized you were spending more time serving other people's needs than your own. And, you know, the company that you created with with AFID, it sounds like, you know, an automated way to, to clone, you know, at least the the work part of some of some of your tasks. Um, but, you know, let's let's dive in a little bit personally now. Um in, in regards to, you know, serving other people's needs over your own, um, as we titled this episode, Positively Selfish, uh, you and I had a discussion previously about, you know, how both of us, um, you know, found ourselves doing that over time and just that that became somewhat of a pattern with us. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, where where you saw that in yourself and in that moment, I guess, a realization that you had where that was in fact happening. In terms of just being positively selfish and working for it or doing things for other people, I think it's great to do things for other people. Um, this company is built for making humanity better in general. I think when I was working for the company, you just felt underappreciated. And most companies are like that. The Over 90 I would even say 97, 98% of companies out here really are just treat you like a number. And um, that's a part of the reason why people are always looking for new jobs every three years or so. I don't know what the exact data is, but just from my consensus, people are usually like, oh, I'm tired of being here. I want 
mm-hmm. looking for something else. It's always the I'm looking for something else. Um, but in, uh, I've often in my life kind of broke my back for certain people and done certain things, and uh, it wasn't appreciated. And uh, that was on the personal level. So when you're getting beat up on the personal level and getting beat up in the job force, it's like, all right, and people taking your kindness for weakness. So it's like, all right, mm-hmm. well, yep. at this particular point, I have to be positively selfish. It's no different from when you're in the airport, uh, airplane, and um, you know, stewardess and the people on the plane tell you, put your mask on first, and then you can help someone else. Because if you pass out, you can't help anyone. So you have to put your mask on first. Your life, everything is that way. And selfish has been, uh, I believe, ignorantly used as a in the negative column but right. i think being selfish can be uh very very positive as long as it's not you're not being self-centered because i sure. believe there is a difference yes. i believe that there are people who only care about themselves it's their way or the highway um you support them they don't support you i have people like that there are many people like that uh, but i believe putting yourself first protects you protects you from um not breaking your back because I'm telling you, you, I mean, you, I know you've probably dealt with people in your life where you've done things for them and they want more or um, mm-hmm. and slap you in the face. The people you do the most for are the ones that hurt you the most, um, at least in my life and from what I've seen from other people as well. And it really, really sucks. And so as you continue to grow and as I've, I've continued to gain more and more wisdom over the years. Um, me putting me putting myself first has helped me help my my son, my family, everyone better because I have to be in good shape and healthy to take care of my family and take care of the people who are close to me. So I can align with that a hundred percent. And you know, there's such a belief system around you know, especially around being a father, um, being a parent, that um, you know that you're family's needs come before yours, your children's needs. And, you know, in, in many ways it, it, it will, like when you have young children, like, yeah, they, they really depend on you, right. As a father. Um, but you know, this is something I've recognized. Um, and this was a hard thing for me to even recognize and work through. I thought my role as a father, you know, this is a belief system that I had that what I needed to, to recharge myself and to keep myself centered wasn't as important as what the rest of my family or if it was, you know, even, you know, the needs of my business on my time and that sort of a thing. For me to be the best father, uh, I have to take care of myself. When I recharge my battery, I recharge my family's battery. Exactly. So why do you, I mean, why do you think it's hard to verbalize what we want and need sometimes? We really care about um the reaction of looking selfish and um because it's not it's not to where we're doing an act we're not going to help someone right i just think over time family is a little different in terms of like your kids or your wife i think uh that's a little more priority than um close friends and such or Mm -hmm. uh, extended family uh, because you're almost like being in relationships and you have close friends and everyone has needs and they tell you about yourself or I don't like this or I do like that. And 
you're trying to balance all of these different moves and everyone isn't on your frequency. Um, you know, and it's not egotistical, but when you dedicate time to raising your vibration and frequency through meditation and such, and then you're talking to some, you're on level five and then you're talking to someone level two, you have to be ready for that conversation, but you can't sit down there for too long because you'll end up pulling that, that energy down. Like you'll spend all this time being positive and then you'll get dragged down to level two. And then now you have to, um, you have to basically re-cleanse and refine, re-retune to get back up to level five because someone on level two pissed you off. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that that person is a bad person, but you know, I, I mean, right. right now I, I have to take, I really value isolation. I take humans in spurts. I love the people in my life, but at the same token, to be positively selfish for me to remain in a high frequency, I have to balance it out. Because, uh, and I'm a big analogy guy. I mean, as you can kind of hear, but I remember posting a while ago. I said, "Listen, you wouldn't clean up your house, and unless and like if someone walked in your house and just dumped a pile of garbage in the middle of your living room, you'd be like, you know, what the f are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, I just cleaned up in here. Like, what is your problem? But for whatever reason, we allow people to do that to our brain." in our garden they allow we allow people to plant their weeds and pl- throw their garbage in our living room and say it's okay but we 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 wouldn't let them do that in our homes right so we have to treat our mind the exact same way we have to protect that at, at any given cost we have to filter out you know who was in this high who was in the positive vibration column or who is in a way becoming a, a an energy cancer to my to my life and yeah you know, I had to cut people off. I've known for 14, 15 years because, uh, you know, they were a, a dark cloud and you just feel that dark cloud leave you once you uh, put get these people out of your life. Yeah. So tell us about how you change your frequency, how you recharge yourself. What are some tools that you use? Meditation is absolutely at the top of the list mm-hmm. um, because during a meditative state, I see it as software downloads. So if our brain is um, a hard drive, I may have an audio book called Wires where I compare mm-hmm. the human brain to a computer's hard drive. Uh, you, you, you have to constantly get software updates in order for your computer to stay in the know, right? To uh, As new things, new websites or whatever come out, your computer has to be ready with new updates. Um, but our bodies, we don't do that. We're... Uh, there are people who are running on iOS 10 right now or iOS 7 right now. And they're like, hey, we're on 14, we're on 15, we're on 16. And these people haven't uh, received these downloads. And what I mean by downloads is information from a higher being. So I, I see meditation, whether you believe in God or not, or you, you can call them alien spirit guides or whatever. But these are um, higher frequency beings or spirits that are sending you information that is a little more supernatural. Um, and when you're in this, or I can really just speak for myself and others that I know that go through meditative practices. Uh, for me, that is creativity. So I, I am, I'm able to uh, invent things that um, may be a little far out, right? That you may see, man, this is really futuristic. But I get those from downloads. I mean, I don't take credit for anything that I do per se. I know that I'm just a vessel executing a, 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 a certain task here for humanity 
but this information was given to me and uh, Aphis specifically. It came from uh, harsh medita- hard meditation. And um, I remember one time meditating where my body couldn't move and it, uh, I had this voice in my head where it sounded like aliens. Don't call me crazy, but they said, we're going to take it from here. And that's what they told me. And I never really heard a voice or anything um, through meditative state, but that's really has put me in that vibration to recharge my battery. Um, I don't exercise as much as I should. I'm going to definitely get back into that swing because it's really important to release the endorphins and everything in your brain. Um, but we have to protect our uh, energy at all costs by clearing out. I think sleep is great, but meditation allows the body to be still while we're awake. So we're constantly looking for, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to, you know, we, I don't know for whatever reason here in America, we're just, we're conditioned just to have to be doing something. And, uh, mm-hmm. I tell people, Hey man, just sit still, like just take a day and just do nothing and feel good about doing nothing. Yeah. And so one of the um, people that I'm inspired by is Abraham Hicks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who. She's my favorite. Yeah. And yeah. so she talks a lot about uh, tapping into this this frequency. When, when you're tapped into um, yourself and you're connected with your higher self and you're doing what your higher self wants, wants for you, that it raises your frequency to a certain level. And when other people are tapped into that fr- same frequency it's like magical things happen. And I, I've experienced that. I mean, I've experienced that a lot recently, in fact. And so, you know, I definitely can um, agree with what you're saying. I think meditation and, you know, and it may be different for other, for different people, but I think meditation is, is a great example for most people to be able to slow things down and put your mind and your body in that frequency that is going to connect you with your higher self. It does open doors. It, it if you hear a lot about man, you know people that manifest things, I think they're tapped into that sort of a frequency where you know they're they're in line with what their higher self and you know some people might call that you know spirituality, religion, whatever, but you know just a, a basic um, concept of you know we we do have a higher sense of ourselves, and when you are tapped into that and you're in alignment with it then magical things happen manifestation happens it's it's pretty cool so it's finally i wanted to um ask you um you know for our audience how can they find out more about you and aphid and and what you're doing and also if you want to give a plug for um wires uh go ahead as well yes certainly uh, you can find information on AFID at aphid.io, and you'll see all the information on there. You can sign up for a beta uh, through the mobile application. If you're a business and you want a virtual assistant on your website, uh, if you go into the footer, you can go for AFID for business, and you can contact our sales team from there. Uh, me personally, my personal website is machineman.net. Uh, just like it sounds, machineman.net has uh, information, pictures, uh, articles, uh, well, links to uh, some of the press and things that I've done um, on there as well. Uh, my biography, you can learn a little bit more about me. Uh, I'm pretty cool and everyday type of person. So, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me. My social media is on there, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I'm active on all of them. Uh, so uh, don't be afraid to reach out. 
And then in terms of the uh, audiobook wires, uh, you'll see it on all platforms. I uh, just did uh, just got some remastering done, so you'll see it on uh, back on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, where you can stream it. It'll, it's twelve tracks, but it has uh, binaural beats on there, which are uh, isochronic tone frequencies. You can put headphones on when if you want to change your brain activity uh, in terms of whether it's for concentration, deep sleep, or uh, whatever it may be. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, uh, you can check that out. Hey, well, Brandon, it's been a pleasure to speak with you today about reprogramming belief systems and about AFID and the importance of being positively selfish. So thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Brandon Cooper is the chief executive officer of AFID, an artificial intelligence company disrupting the nine to five workforce economy. Cooper has helped over 20 companies launch from ideation into profitable businesses. You can find out more about Brandon on our website, eiqmediallc.com slash the change. Our theme song and sound engineering was provided by Shane Sufridi. You can listen to more of Shane's music at www.shanesufridi.com. If you have a story to share about how you've reprogrammed your beliefs or want to tell us what you think about our podcast, send me an email at thechange at eiqmediallc.com. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on The Change. The Change is produced and distributed by EIQ Media, LLC. Elevate your emotional IQ with podcasts and content focused on leadership, mental health, entrepreneurship, and more.